Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On today's episode of After the Snap, we'll be discussing Blake's recent trip to Peru. An update on the Stanley Cup final, the U.S. Open, and more. It's time for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the Snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of After the Snap. I'm your co-host, Reed Ferguson, long snapper for the Buffalo Bills, joined by co-host and brother, Blake Ferguson, long snapper for Miami Dolphins, back from his hiatus in Peru, Blake, I can't wait to hear about your trip. I have a lead-in question before you talk about your, your trip to Peru. There was a lot uh, – what, what was the flight time down there and back? What was – how long were you on a plane to and from? Hola, me amo Blake. E. <laughs> uh, no, it was like six – it was like six hours and 45 minutes down okay. there. Okay, That's but it was terrible. But it was overnight, so it was like eleven thirty p.m. to like five fifteen a.m. It was. It, then what I time just slept zone? the whole time. Did you change time zones? It's like one hour difference. It's like Central time. Forward. Oh, Central no, it's time. back. It's like Central time. It's whatever oh, it's time zone you're on right now. It's okay. the same. Yeah, it's not um, not a Central huge time, time difference. Otherwise known as uh, the Lord's time. Or like the or like the most spread. the most difficult time to understand because everybody Why? says eight seven central and you think that the cartoons are coming on an hour earlier on central time when they're not actually coming on at an hour earlier. It's just a time difference. Am I the only one that like grew up thinking that everybody on central? That's time why they got say watch, eight, Got to watch seven, the cartoons. Central. Yeah, but like I didn't realize that it was like an hour off when I was eight years old. Well, now you're like grown. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like the most difficult time zone to understand. So why would it be called God's time zone or whatever you call? I don't know. Because everybody thinks everybody who lives in the central time zone, most people who live in the central time zone, a la the Ferguson family. As of recently, people think the central time zone is the best because of a lot of it has to do with TV schedule, sports scheduling. Because you get the best of both worlds. Games come on earlier, the whole nine yards. Pac-12 after dark is more like... not going to sleep first in the country. Pac-12 after dark is like Pac-12, like sundown. Pac-12... 
Yeah. D- dessert time. Yeah. Like after dinner. Pack 12 glass of wine. Yep. Glass of wine. <laughs> Pack 12 glass of wine. We're going to have uh, to pitch that to them and see if they pick that up. Um, okay. So six, so a little, so a shade below seven hours, uh, yep. flight time. Two Slept the back. whole time. Slept the whole time. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, that you just, you just ruined, uh, I know, I you just ruined my question. Oh. I was going to ask you if you why I, 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 I sleep on airplanes. I love sleeping on yeah. airplanes. I did. I, I came home a couple of times from Buffalo to Houston on the off season and I watched, I'm still catching up on Vikings, um, in season six now, I think crushing it, but I would watch episodes like a couple episodes on each flight, each layover. So I, you didn't watch anything. No stranger things for your boy. You slept the whole time. So I was going to ask well, you about Stranger Things, the fourth season. So, so here's the deal. I, so my, my flight to Peru was out of Atlanta. I was coming okay. from South Florida. I was in, I was down in Miami. We had finished OTAs on Friday. This okay. is Friday the 10th. And I'm trying to get out of town, right? I'm trying to connect in Atlanta with the missions team from the church. Okay. In Atlanta. So you had to meet and then them. And fly to Lima. Okay. I could have gone out of Miami, but I would have gotten there like eight hours before them. And it would have been like a whole mess, like overnight trying to figure out a hotel in a foreign country that I've never been to. So I was like, I'm just going to meet up with them in Atlanta and we'll all go together. Could have handled it. Going out of my way, but it was fine. So that particular day, there is a storm over South Florida. Of course. Naturally. Of course. Of course. And I've flown just about every weekend out of South Florida to Atlanta or Denver or wherever. And I haven't had a single delay all of spring. But the second that I have an international connection, of course, there is a storm that causes a prepaid mission trip causes a four and a half hour delay. We literally took off at the last possible time for me to make my connection in Atlanta and still get to Peru. It all worked out. Okay. But by that point in time, when I got on the flight to Lima from Atlanta, I was so exhausted and like stressed and just like mentally, I sat there for four hours, like hoping that I was going to be able to get to Atlanta for my connection. What was the, what was the time that you like, what was your original flight schedule for? Well, it was scheduled out of, it was scheduled out of Miami. And right. I got at what a, time at like eight something eight in my AM eight. No, no, eight PM. It was scheduled okay. out of Miami at like eight PM. I would have gotten into Atlanta at like nine 30, like two hours before we were supposed to go out of, out of Atlanta to Lima. So it was going to be fine. Okay. I get a, I get a message at like two o'clock PM that my flight had been delayed already like six hours before the actual flight was supposed to take place. Weather was moving in and it was going to delay to the point where I was already going to miss my connection. So I had to drive up to Palm beach, like an hour and a half North of where I live, drove up to Palm beach, took a connect, took a flight out of Palm beach. That was at like four something. Because I knew if I took like the four o'clock flight, I, I would have enough time, even if there was a delay, that I would be able to get into into Atlanta oh, before, sure. the, before okay. the connection. Yep. And so I get up there, and I literally, I, when I tell you, I sat in the terminal 
at the gate for four hours watching this just delay every 30 minutes. And there's like a, there, you can't even see the planes outside. It is storming so bad. Oh no. Finally, there was like a little short window of time where they were able to get us out of there at like 845. And I was able to get in, make my connection. They got my bag on the, on the plane and it worked out. But man, it was close. It was super close. And so by the time, like I, I say, I have to say, by the time I got Ooh. on the flight, I didn't want to do anything but just crash and fall asleep and wake up in a different country. <laughs> Are you like a ambient guy? No, I'm a, no, I don't have, I it doesn't take for, much. It doesn't take much on planes. Yeah, I was okay. in like the okay. I, because it was a, a an international flight. The Delta seats are a little bit different, and I I had gotten upgraded to like one of the first class seats. It wasn't like the Delta One where you can like lay down flat. Oh, Those yeah. are super nice, but it, it was like the it was like what would normally be a Delta first class seat. And so I had like oh, okay. room. I was able to lay back more than I normally would. They gave you like the nice memory foam pillow, a blanket, and. I was, I was zonked because I had an OTA, I had an OTA that day and yeah. then, uh, and then flew to, flew and had all the delays and all that stuff. So I was just, Goodness. I was exhausted. Um, so we, so we wake up in Peru and then we have a, so it's 515 in the morning and we have a noon flight to Cusco, which is where we were for the majority of the week. So we have, we have seven hours to kill in the airport. So we go get breakfast. We go get coffee at this little coffee shop in the airport. We were, you know, playing. Nice airport? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was okay. They're super strict on their COVID rules still down there because Peru has the, since COVID started, Peru has the highest death rate of any country in the world. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. There was a time where they had like eight ventilators for like the whole country. And so the airport, like, they they made you double mask. They had like divide, like glass dividers in between every seat in the airport, like all the seats in every gate. They had like glass divide, like plexiglass dividers. And so that we we took a lot of walks around the airport, just you know, just to to get some quote unquote fresh air. Um, But the biggest thing that I noticed about the Peru in general, specifically the airport, is the toilet paper. You have to get the toilet paper before you go into the stall. There is a roll of toilet paper. I'll, I will tweet the picture from the podcast account. There is a roll of toilet paper on the wall, like between the urinals and the stalls. And you have to like get some out and take it into the stall. With you. You're kidding. <laughs> And then you can't flush it. You can't flush uh, it. There's heard, like a I've trash can before. because there's yep. sewage or whatever. There's they like a that trash in, can that you have to that you have to like did toss that in. in Israel. It was the same wild. thing in Israel. Yeah, wild. Just then, a lot of experiences in the airport uh, that are currently d- uh, distracting us like from the, how amazing the actual trip was. But did they have like the uh, the two flush system, like the? Small flush, um, some places and the big did. flush. If some did. places did, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but Israel was, was pretty strict about that. Okay. They were like, like the water usage. Press the right button. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't. I think that was probably more a result of like the the 
climate that you were in and how hard it is probably to get clean water there or like Maybe. flushable water. Yeah. Um, in Lima and in Cusco, there's like, there is water. Uh, it's not safe to drink the water, but there's like water in the, in the showers and toilets and stuff. The trip was amazing. We get to Cusco. Oh, yeah, we go great. and we did a bunch of VBS vacation Bible school for some kids. Uh, we did that on several different days. Uh, there was a day that we went to an orphanage there in Peru. And the lady who runs the orphanage is from America. She's, she and her husband moved down there. He owns an optometry clinic. She runs the orphanage. His optometry clinic pretty much fully funds this orphanage. They're like completely wow. private, privately funded. Apparently there's like a, a bunch of hurdles you have to jump through if you are government funded orphanage. Uh, so they prefer the private funding, uh, donations from the clinic and from others that they, that they get donations from. So we spent some time there hanging out with the kids and, uh, we were repainting the outside of the, of the actual building. So that was fun. And then the coolest part, in my opinion, as far as like mission work that we were doing was one day, uh, I think it was Tuesday. We went up in, in, into the Peruvian mountains, like an hour and a half from Cusco to this little remote village of probably 200 people. And we just like went on evangelism walks and just like told people about Jesus. And it was amazing. The coolest part about it was those people don't speak English and they don't speak Spanish. They speak in a language, a dialect called Quechuan. And not many people in that, in the country of Peru speak Quechuan. So yeah, we I having, can't say I've ever heard of that language. And I, and I hadn't either until we got yeah. there. Wow. And so what we had to do in order to talk to these people, we had to have two translators with us. We had to have a translator that understood English and Spanish, took our English to Spanish would speak Spanish to the Quechuan translator who would take it from Spanish to Quechuan, speak no it way. in Quechuan to the person, and then all the way back to English through the Holy two Lord. translators. So it was literally like you're playing telephone. Telephone. But, but people Lord. like people were coming to Christ on this mountain through, through two through translators. Three languages. Through three languages, two translators. It was wow. one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Incredible. On that mountain, there's very little civilization, as you could probably imagine. They, the, the, the bathrooms were a hole in the ground. I went in this lady's kitchen and she was cooking on a mud stove with mud floors and wood, like holding up the ceilings, like wood posts holding up the ceilings. Yeah. And it was just a, it was a great perspective of, of how joyful these people are regardless of their situation. Like they don't, they don't know any different, but for us seeing both sides of it, it was, it was incredible to see how joyful that they are given how hard their life is. But it, to them, it's, it's not that difficult because they don't understand, like there's no, there's no other side. Like they don't, they don't have any perspective on what life is like elsewhere. 
but it was it was really really cool to see what uh, the Lord was able to do in that country just through two translators playing semi playing telephone. That was that was really one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Uh, there is one story. There's one story that I, I do want to share from that particular trip up into the mountain. That so we were staying in Cusco, and that day we knew we were going up there, and so I packed an extra T-shirt. And I packed an extra pair of socks in my backpack and we, I, I had like a jar of peanut butter and just like some extra things that, you know, you know, you might need with you when you're two hours away from any kind of civilization up in the mountains for the entire day. So we get up there and we're on this walk and, and there's a, there's like a bus stop where people are waiting to like go to the next town further up the mountain, like 30 minutes. And we stop and we're talking to this girl on the, on the, uh, at, at the bench of the bus stop. And she's, you know, we're just kind of sharing what we're doing there and things like that with her. And while we're talking to her, there's another guy. Um, he's probably 60 plus years old. He was sitting there on the bench like asleep. He wasn't with her. He was just sitting there asleep waiting on the bus. And I looked down and his feet looked nasty. Like he was wearing sandals. So he didn't like, he didn't have any socks on, didn't have any shoes. It was just like sandals. And he'd been walking through this very dry mountain, dusty climate and his feet were just (laughs) nasty. And so we, we didn't bother him. He was, he was sleeping. And so we just like kind of went away and we were talking to somebody else and one of the girls in our group, she, she asked us, she was like, do y'all think it would be weird if I like gave him my socks? And I thought about it and I was like, I have a, an extra pair of socks in my backpack. And I don't know. I, at the time, I didn't know why I put those socks in my backpack because that was the first day that I had done that. But at that point in time, I knew exactly why I put those socks in there Crazy, because the Lord was working an opportunity for us to wake that man up, give him some socks and share our faith with him. And I I hope that he ended up making it to the church that we were partnering with. But that was a really cool moment of like, I don't know. I had no idea why I stuck those, that pair of socks in in my backpack because I knew I wasn't going to really need them. I had a pair of socks on my feet, but somebody else needed those socks. And so that was, that was a pretty, pretty cool moment of just like God working things out and, and having it all mapped out in advance. The last two things that I'll share on the Peru trip before we get into some sports updates, we went the next day to Machu Picchu, which is one of the seven new wonders of the world. Okay. I was going to say you, you, when you said you were going there, like the day prior, Mm -hmm. um, that's, I've heard of Machu Picchu before, yep. but I don't know yep. what it is. I think that's probably the only yeah. city. Yeah, it's an Inca civilization that they okay. built in the in the Peruvian mountains. And okay, I probably wouldn't have thought. I recognized the name. Didn't think, I? Don't think I knew it was in yeah. Peru. Yeah. So it was built several hundred years ago, long before like the Spaniards came into. Uh, Peru and or in, into South America and sort of took over. 
we went we went on a we woke up at four in the morning that when it was on Wednesday woke up at four in the morning took a two hour bus ride to a train station where we then took an hour and 45 minute train ride to basically the base of this mountain where Machu Picchu is. And then I'm looking on a map. Where is Machu Picchu compared to where Cusco is North? Uh, I have no idea. I just know that it's three hours and 45 minutes from where we were staying. Um, I'm trying to look it up as we speak. Yeah. so. So, so then we get, to the base of the mountain and we have to, we have to go up into the mountain to, to Machu Picchu. But the, the roads on this mountain are dirt roads and they're just wider than the bus that we were on. And not only do you take the bus up, you also have to take the bus back down. And so navigating a two way bus going up buses going up and down this mountain that on a road that is barely wider than the the width of the the bus that we were on was horrifying like so wait so you said you said you were in Cusco correct C U S C O correct Cusco and you went like, to Machu from Emperor's New Groove yes Machu Picchu long okay. way away and it took you how far? How long? It was a two-hour bus ride to the train station, and then the train took us an hour and forty-five minutes to get to the base of the mountain that Machu Picchu is on. There's a little town down there. It does not look that far away. It took so long. Look at look it up on a map when you're done. That's correct. I just sorry. Took, I, had to, I had to say it that. took so That's, long. That is bananas. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, continue with your story. And so. So, so the bus, it like there are two, there, there's a bus coming down and a bus going up and you have to like navigate this very, very narrow road with no guardrails. Like I was in going a window, around a, a mountain. I was in the window seat and I was like, I'm going to die here. Like <laughs> it, mind you, we're at, we, so in Cusco, you're at like 10,000 feet. Wow. Elevation on this That's mountain. High. On this mountain, you're at almost thirteen thousand feet. Like, you're halfway up Mount Everest. Yeah, you're like looking That's down, high, dude. You're looking down. I'm gonna show Holy it cow. on. I'm gonna show it just so the people who are watching the YouTube uh, episode can see truly how high we were up on this mountain. Let's Mount Everest see. is twenty nine thousand feet. You this were, was you were almost halfway up Mount Everest. This is how far up we were. And it's crazy because because those other mountains like off in the distance That's are like nuts. are at like 20,000 feet. Like they're way above where we are. No, way. it was wild. And so then it was like a 30 like that was like a probably 30 40 minute bus ride up the mountain and then we went into Machu Picchu. It was like probably 25 minute hike into the actual like civilization area where they had built this city. But it was, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever laid eyes on. Like for, for these people to have been able to do this that long ago was amazing. Amazing. And it's, they, they call it one of the seven new wonders of the world. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the difference is between the seven wonders of the world and seven new wonders of the world, but that's, that's the uh, distinction. And I got to meet an alpaca. That was really freaking cool. I went to, I went to Peru with like two goals. One of which was I wanted to meet a llama or an alpaca at some point. And I did. We were in, we were in downtown Cusco. I didn't get to meet it at Machu Picchu, although they do have them there. I got to meet two baby alpacas. Um, were they bigger than you? They were, no. Oh my goodness. They were like <laughs> Jasper size. Like, I was about to say, they look like. They um, were like my dog size and they were the softest oh. thing, dude. Softest thing ever. I, I really wish I had bought like an alpaca, like something made out of alpaca, like a, scarf like, a blank, or like a blanket or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big on scarves, but, but I would definitely wear an alpaca scarf. One of the guys on the trip was like, he was like, I want to find an alpaca bath mat because how can your day get any better or like you you can't have a bad day when you get out of the shower onto an alpaca bath mat. It's just like heaven under your toes. That was my trip to Peru. Probably not the first thing I would have thought of. Phenomenal. Yeah, ago. I don't think he found an alpaca bath mat. Although there were like sell them. we went to like these markets and they had just about every kind of textile that you could imagine made out of alpaca. Oh wow! But it was it was so a are trip. alpaca there like deer here. Are they like that? They eat alpaca. I don't know that they're like an invasive species. Okay. um, They eat alpaca. They also, I didn't put this in the notes, but they also eat guinea pig. I remember you saying that. And I wish you you hadn't told me that. Yeah. It's like a, (laughs) it's like a delicacy there. Of course. Naturally. Um, and the best way I would equate it, like consistency wise, like food wise is like dark meat chicken, like a chicken thigh. But if you like put it in the garbage for like two weeks, it was probably the worst food I've ever put in my mouth. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Not great. Not great. But some, some people like it and that's okay. I just, that I do not, I don't. Let me frame it this way. There are very few foods that I do not like. Guinea pig is one of them. It's like cilantro, olives, and guinea pig. But <laughs> it was, yeah, not great. But the trip was great. We had a great time. I believe it is now That's time. a great story, by the way. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners are ready for us to get into some sports. Hopefully that hopefully you enjoyed my Peru recap because it was an unbelievable week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get into some Stanley Cup updates. I know yep. you and Chris 
uh, covered. Chris, shout out to producer Chris for covering for you, boy, while I was away last week. Lot of Stanley Cup talk on the pod. I was able to listen while I was on my way back from Peru, and it was a great pod. You guys did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So last week, uh, Chris and I recorded, um, uh, and, and he was very adamant after the first couple games of the Stanley Cup uh, that we talk about um, his predictions and what he talked about last week. Can I make said, can I make a note real quick? Yes. Whatever statistic that Chris was sharing with you about, like the last time a team had made the playoffs or the finals like three years in a row, and you said the Thrashers. <laughs> I, was, well, I didn't know, bro. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I had no. You idea. said the same. Like he was, and then you said me. he he laughed. He like held back he laughter. Did laugh. When I felt like he was the asking me because he was like trying to like hint me into saying it. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, the it did seem like I he was trying know. to toss up something that was that would like hit home close to you. But well, okay, so so anyway, the the Colorado Avalanche are two one over Tampa Bay. Chris said this is Tampa Bay's third final Stanley Cup final appearance in a row, and he said the Avalanche would have. The, the dudes to go toe to toe with them. So, and I think they, they, the Avalanche won game two, seven nothing. Um, I believe that is correct. Yeah. I watched some, I've, I've, yeah. I haven't really watched a ton of the NHL playoffs up until this point, but I have watched a portion of each, uh, finals game, uh, thus far. So it's two one. I mean, playoff hockey's awesome. Um, it's, I can't wait till the Sabres are, things. you know, Going to a playoff game in Buffalo would be uh, for the Sabers would be awesome. There are a few things better than playoff hockey. You I, you went to a, a I've been, game. Right? I've been the last two years, and I think I'm going to stop going because I clearly am not the good luck charm that they need. I've been to the two years ago, or I guess last uh, last year, I went and it was the game in which they got knocked out of the playoffs. Not great. And then this year it was against Tampa. They were up two or three to nothing. The Panthers were up two or three to nothing going into the third period and lost. That, I think, was I that think also just, an elimination game? No, I think it was like game oh, okay. two. I think it was like game two of the series of the second round. Uh, but I, I think I just I, I'm not doing the Panthers any favors. So I think out. I'm just going to start going in the regular season. Just kind of let that be. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, uh, kudos to producer Chris. He will hear this um, in a little bit. Kudos to producer Chris on his expert hockey knowledge. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't know much about hockey. I like just learned the. <laughs> offside rule with like the lines and stuff. Yeah. But what I do know is when I was in Denver like a month ago and they were just getting into the playoffs, like the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Colorado Avalanche fans out there are wild. Like they like yeah. back then they were like, we're winning the whole thing. Like they they 
because uh, where we were staying was pretty close to their arena, and so there were signs okay. everywhere. The restaurants you go in, it's just avalanche. Like they are, could wow. not have been more pumped up about the Colorado Avalanche, and they're they're speaking it like they are they are walking the walk, talking the talk. Two one, they just dropped game three. Uh, game four is Wednesday night. Uh, I guess that's tomorrow night. And that is in Tampa, uh, yes. but Avalanche are are expected to win via Vegas. So um, I will be tuning in. I've been in Peru for the majority of those majority of the last couple of, of games, but uh, definitely will be tuning in Wednesday night. I'm pumped. Also, over the weekend, I know you were coming back home and doing some traveling, uh, but the U.S. Open. This I were did. You, were you able get to, to see yes. Saturday, Sunday? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, I watched yes. almost every day as well. Probably some of my favorite golf I have ever watched. Hundred percent. Ever. Um, is, the, it, is there anything? Well, I know we just talked about the NHL playoffs being extremely fascinating and exciting to watch, but is there anything? I mean, when a when a major when a golf major is coming down on Sunday at 5 p.m. And there's a potential playoff, three-way playoff. There's two groups, yeah. three to four guys in the running to win it, to win the tournament. There's not that much is much must-watch television. Yeah. Must-watch television. I said there's not much better than playoff hockey. This fits into that same group. Like yes. unbelievable. And 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 what I didn't know is up until recently. I don't know what year it was. If we had producer Chris on today, he would be able to probably tell us. Up until recently, if they went into a playoff at the U.S. Open, they would play an entire 18-hole round on Monday. No way. Swear. I had no idea. I had no idea either. But Martin and Dad were talking about it while we were sitting there watching it. And I think we are all losers because we didn't get to see that. Like that would have been like as, as electric as Sunday was Monday would have been even more electric. And I think we are all, we all lost out because of that, because there wasn't a, a, a tie that eventually would send it to Monday. Um, do you they have changed the, it in 2018? I just looked it up. 2018. So just recently, the 18 they, hole playoff format was scrapped in 2018 when the USGA switched to a two hole. Yep. Uh, aggregate format followed by sudden death if needed. Yeah. I thought so. So going into Sunday, Scotty Scheffler was my was my pick, and number one he, in the world. He started off hot. He was like he bogeyed like the or, or uh, birdied like the first four of four of the first six holes that he that he played, and I was like had a beautiful hole in. I, think, I was on like Saturday. Yeah, he he held out from like a hundred and something yards. Yeah, just like cut the cut the green and just rolled right. Great backspin. Back it was yep. it was amazing. And I was like going into Sunday. I, I, there's no way he's there's no way he's losing. He's got the hot hand through the first nine. Phenomenal golf, and the back nine just wasn't as good to him. Fitzpatrick, the Pretty cool. He braced he won. The, the braced king. Yes. Got braces on his teeth. Braced and king. just I mean his he, he his, won uh the the amateur 
Yes. Um, US, the amateur US Open. Yes. Like eight or nine years ago, same course. Oh, up in Boston. Yeah. First, uh, that's awesome. First golf, first professional golfer, I think, to win, uh, the amateur or to win the, an amateur and a PGA or, and a US Open, USGA tour tournament. Um, on the same course. Pretty cool. Amazing. I mean, that's, yeah. That's Did awesome. you hear about his caddy? His, uh, his, so if you're watching, so. if you're watching at the end of the round, his caddy, like, I didn't was have more emotional. Was just kinda, his caddy was more emotional than he was. And oh, I saw it on 18. I saw him. He's yep. been caddying for like 40 years and oh, wow. he has never won a major as a caddy. No way. And he, Got his first one. That's incredible. With, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. His client list includes, um, a bunch of European, uh, names that I will, uh, probably butcher. Steve Ballesteros, Thomas Bjorn, Darren Clark, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, and a short stint with Tiger Woods. Wow. Uh, but if you, if you, uh, saw, how emotional he was on, on Sunday. That was because it was his first major that he's ever won. And it's incredible. There's, a, there's an article talking about what his post us open plans are. And his quote says, I have a liver like a football. So that should be a little bit of insight into what he's been, what he's been up to the last two, two days, 48 hours. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. That's pretty amazing. Cool. Amazing weekend of golf for sure. Um, one of my favorite things from watching the, the par threes, I thought were some of the coolest, uh, just from the angles they were showing. Um, and I mean, props to the, to the guys. I guess that's why they're professionals. Um, but some of the shots on some of those par threes, uh, I mean, they were just peppering the hole. Yeah. Peppering the hole. Some unbelievable shots spe- yeah. specifically on Saturday and Sunday. There was one where I, I don't even know what hole it was on. John Rahm was like behind this hill. It was like a 20-foot hill in front of him. He ha- he was completely blind uh, trying to get up on the green from probably 100 and something yards. Puts it, I don't know, 20 feet from the hole. Couldn't wow. see, couldn't even see the flag stick. Couldn't see anything. Had no idea where he was hitting it. Had to solely rely on his notes to get him on the green and it was it was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen because they showed it from behind and he was it was like him shooting and it was just like this this huge wall of grass in front of him. Wow. It was it was crazy. But yeah, some of those some of those par threes were were phenomenal too. Yeah. I was hoping we'd see a uh, a hole in one, but we I don't think we got one. Few and far between. The last thing I wanted to talk about and something I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled to find out this week, World Cup venues. Let's go. Finally announced. Let's go. For the 2026. 2026. Uh, held in North America, uh, meaning the U.S. I think gets, I think the U.S. got 10 uh, or 12, 10 six, cities. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, 10. 10 cities, and I think there nope. are 16 total. Nope, it's 11. 11, 11. In, uh, in the U.S., 
Three in Mexico and two in Canada. Okay, 16 total. Got it. Yeah, so anyway, the obviously super pumped. Some of the notable ones, New York, New Jersey area for MetLife, that, that was always going to be, you know, a, a major point, uh, attraction point for that, for the World Cup. The San Francisco area, which is interesting. Uh, we'll get that, get into that in a few minutes. Why LA wasn't a consideration. Miami, Atlanta, Houston and Dallas, which was surprising to me. Um, I thought they would just go for one or the other. And then uh, Boston made the list. So I, I think Philly's on there and a couple uh, – Seattle made the, Seattle made the cut. Obviously, we are down here in Houston. We'll likely be down here in Houston when this rolls around. So I'm going to try to obviously make as many games as possible over the summer uh, and, and, you know, try to – I mean, that that's – this is – I mean, it's the last time it was in North America was when was the year I was born in '94. So I don't think uh, you went to any of those games. Don't think I went to any of those games. But um, I mean, this is this is potentially. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say once in a lifetime, but I mean, it, you don't know when it's going to come around again, and when you're going to have a great opportunity to to try and go to a bunch of games like like we're hoping to. So. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I'm obviously thrilled about Houston, Atlanta. You know, been to been to those stadiums. The one thing I I think is going to be interesting, and it was a it was I think it was a big point of contention for choosing a lot of these stadiums is the the issue of um, of turf, yeah, of of having the turf, surface. Uh, yeah. the the surface, the playing surface. Because if you look around European football. And basically anywhere outside the U.S., the game is not played on turf. We're pretty that much was... the only country who has a league that plays on turf. I think it was 2018 when the MLS All-Star game came to the United, uh, came to Atlanta, Atlanta yep. and Zlatan Ibrahimovic opted to not play in it because of the surface. Because of the turf. Yeah. Yeah. It was against I mean, it's, it's, uh, it was against Juventus. It was they yep. you know they do the all-star game against a, a big club team. And I don't remember hearing a lot of flack from Juventus just because I think it was like an off season game for them. Mm-hmm. It was I think just they like played a like their B team. Yeah. Um, I think they had Marilyn Pianich and like two or three others. Emery Chan when he was on when he was still there um, I don't even know if Dybala played. Um, anyway, it was before Cristiano came, came there. And, um, and that was, that was a big sticking point for, for Ibra, um, was because of the turf. And now it looks like half, I was, I was running through it earlier. Looks like half of the stadiums, even in Canada, do Canada, are the Toronto and Vancouver services? I don't think so. Turf? Because those are both open air, they're both open air stadiums, so they could be grass. But are they, are they football stadiums though? Are they, is it for like Canadian football league? Is it? No, Vancouver and Toronto. Wait, what did you say the other one was? Toronto and Vancouver. Toronto and Vancouver both have, I know Vancouver's, uh, they're, the stadium that the Whitecaps play in is pretty big. I'm not, BMO Field in Toronto. Where Toronto FC plays, I it's a smaller soccer stadium. I don't know how many it fits, but 
I'm assuming that's where they're going to play. Yeah. I don't know if it's grass or not. I've never been. The, I mean, they've got to change them. Like, they've got to put grass in these stadiums. We're talking Atlanta, Dallas. The plays differently. Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, L.A., which is a confirmed city, which we'll get into here in a second. L.A. is confirmed. L.A. is confirmed. Okay, I missed that. I missed that. L.A. is confirmed. There are the, there are the issues of the stadium dimensions. That's what I was going to Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. They, I don't know where they're playing in L.A. Though. Um, New York. Uh, yeah, MetLife Met has, has turf. Notable. Um, uh, is San Francisco grass? injuries in MetLife. Is San Francisco grass? I can't even remember. We played um, here two years ago. Yeah, it's outside. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's outside. Well, it's is, outside, but it's is uh, it it's turf, turf or grass, is it grass? I believe. Okay. And then Seattle is turf. Turf. So yes. Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, LA, if they play at SoFi, New York, and Seattle. That's six of the 16, assuming that the Toronto and Vancouver ones are grass. I think the Mexico uh, ones are grass. Mexico would have to be grass. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, that's a given. But the big sticking point with LA for a little while before these host cities were announced, LA being one of them was that LA's dimensions of their stadium weren't going to allow for a regulation soccer field. Fanatics. The owner, the owner of the team owns Arsenal. Literally, Stan Kroenke. He owns the Rams, and he owns Arsenal FC. Did it not dawn on him? It's 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 like it's so bad to where I'm like they they did it on purpose, or something. Like there's no way that nobody thought about this. The potential for I don't even know if it was if the bid was I don't think the bid had even been accepted. So what was it for North America before that stadium was built? What was the deal? There were was there like a wall or like bleachers in the way of. That was going to make it too yeah, hard. Yeah, they have to... to remove a certain amount of rows on the sidelines going the going uh, wide. I think the length is fine, okay. but I think they'd have to take out like I don't even know five or six rows of seats, and by, and I think that's like the minimum. I feel like that would be like that's with like no like the 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 player seats would be like up against the yeah. stand. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I feel like they'll. I feel like they'll figure that out. I'm sure it's a. It's just a simple math equation because you've got four years to do it. But it's a math equation of. of five, is the, five billion dollar stadium is the revenue take seats out? Is the revenue of having the games in LA were going to be more than enough to justify taking out however many rows of seats? And I feel like. You can find a, you can find a, some sort of co- contractor construction group that will get you under that number. Like you're going to make a gazillion dollars playing these games. Like I know. I'm trying to look up and see where, I'll see Central West Region SoFi Stadium. Yeah. So that is bananas. That is crazy. We should do something like, Go to a- Gillette Stadium, Boston. That's turf. You said that. Oh, that's where they're playing. Yeah. Uh, did I say Boston? I, I don't. 
No, I didn't even count Boston. I didn't yeah, even count Boston's Boston. Gillette. In the, I mean, that's in, turf. So that's, that's another one. Seven. Met li- uh, Gillette, MetLife, AT&T, Mercedes-Benz. You think they roll out some sod on top of this? Like The thing that I thought was coolest about when we played in London was the London fields at like at Tottenham at Hotspur Stadium. They, yeah. they like, they, there's like they levels. Roll it out. And they, well, yeah. no, there, there's like levels and they like shift these panels up and down for the grass and for the, for the I turf. Watching them on TV, they did a little like, yeah, scenes yeah, of the, they do of like a, like under a time lapse video. Yeah. They, yep. Yep. But they'll, I mean, they're going to have to do something. These players are going to be ticked. These players are going to be ticked off if they're playing a majority of their games on turf. You might have guys that sit out. That's what I'm saying. There's no way they got. They have four years have to figure to. it out. You have four to. years. Well, I, well I, the last thing I was going to say is we sh- we should go to a game in Canada, in the United States, and in Mexico. Like, I'm I'm pretty close. Toronto. To that's well, you're pretty close to bu- to Toronto and Buffalo yep. too. So, yep, we'll be staying at your house there, and we'll be staying at your house in Toronto, <laughs> Toronto, Atlanta, Houston. And yeah. like Mexico City or something. I don't know uh, where's Mexico. Let me look up. It is not driving distance, guaranteed. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying Monterey and Mexico City. Monterey, Mexico City, and Guadalajara. We're getting all kinds of geography tips today. Between Monterey. between Machu Picchu and Monterey. Monterey would be the closest. Yep. Monterey is like on the other side of the border, Guadalajara and Mexico City are like halfway down Mexico, like close, like as as it as it starts to bottleneck, that's where the other two are. So we definitely definitely fly. But I think I think I would if I'm gonna if we're gonna fly anyway, gotta go to the Mexico City one. I think that's where the best. I think that's where the better stadium is. But the Monterey Stadium, I saw some. Somebody, I think it was Bleacher Report Soccer or somebody that posted a picture earlier of the stadium that Monterey is going to play in. I don't know where it is. I have to look it up and maybe retweet it from the account. But it, like the back, the backdrop of the stadium was like these, those like similar to those mountains that you showed yeah. in Peru, like just, just so huge green mountains yeah. in the back of a football stadium. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy cool. That's, That's a, wrap. a wrap. Ooh, Jinx, you owe me 10 push-ups. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. As always, follow us on social media at After the Snap Pod, at Blake Ferguson 50 Instagram, Blake Ferguson 44 Twitter. Somebody tweet at Instagram to let them let me change my username because I can't do that. At Reed Ferguson on Instagram at Snapflow69 on the Twitter sphere. Follow us on TikTok, follow us on YouTube, wherever you want after the snap content, you will find it. This has been After the Snap Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life Upside Down. <laughs>